You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right, well, here we are, Jonathan. So uh, tell us about the campus, what, what God's doing there on our campus. We're yeah. excited. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, last week, uh, guys, like, you, like we talked about, um, demo has been done. Uh, on the buildings and some site work demo in the parking lot area. Uh, this week, we're turning our attention to rallying up the crews. They'll be getting gathered and organized, and uh, we'll actually begin getting them in on the construction schedule. So based on what we know right now, uh, then we should be on site by Easter. By Easter. Has anybody counted the weeks? Yeah, where are we at? Eight. Right? Eight weeks. So awesome. It's a short time awesome. frame, but they're working hard. Yeah, that's exciting, guys. This is a premier wedding venue in the North Valley. By God's grace, uh, majority of everybody that's attending has contributed to this project. Uh, you can still give online if you want to help increase the quality of our work. Uh, we are we are going. This is going to be a campus work in progress. So this is we bought uh, the church bought a fixer upper. Okay. <laughs> So you, you need to think like that, like you're not going to be going on to a, a, a beautiful, like a, an established campus that's been there for 20 years. We bought a fixer-upper, and uh, we're fixing it. We're going to be, we did all the demo, and so now, so how do people get involved as far as if they want to volunteer? I know yeah. we've got lots of ministry needs mm-hmm. once we, for that Easter Sunday, how do they, how do they get connected? Yeah, um, so you have your program in front of you on the bottom portion, the connect card. If you flip it over on the back, there's a, a checkbox, I'm willing to help where needed. If you'll check that and drop it in the giving box, hand it to me. Um, or reach out to us. We'd love to get you connected. We're going to be organizing some work crews once we better understand the projects that we can tackle as a church that will just help keep the skilled laborers focused on the skilled labor part. And uh, friends, we can do a little bit of the grunt work together. Yeah. And we'll get some teams out there. And then additionally, you know, not just the manual labor side, but guys just prepping for the new ministry uh, teams for uh, Easter and and, uh, ongoingly. So if you're not involved in serving at all, I want to encourage you, if you say, hey, uh, I'd like to help out wherever you need me, just check that on the bottom of your program, and then you can drop it off and put it in the giving box on your way out the door today. Uh, We need 30 new volunteers. That's new volunteers. Uh, That means those of you that have not served before at North Valley uh, to to prepare us for Easter and then the oncoming weeks. Uh, So be mindful of that and just... uh, you haven't, that could be as little as serving once a month, right? That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, let me pray for us this morning. Let's pray for the campus and the work crews that are going to be going on. And and, uh, let's just thank Jonathan, too, for his leadership on that just for a moment. Yeah. Thanks, man. So, uh, Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the work that's being done on the campus. We pray, God, that all the work would be finished and we would be able to be on site for celebrating uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the new life that that brings to this valley. Uh, Lord, that message changes everything. And so, God, we pray uh, in faith, would you accomplish that work through your workers, your volunteers that you're already drawing upon to uh, be a part of the ministry and the service uh, in the, un- the this spring season. Give those uh, construction workers the ability to get the job done so we can be on site in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. All right.
Well, a few springs ago, I was uh, had the privilege to be a part of a, a spring training chaplaincy. I was served with the Texas Rangers, and uh, I told the guys when they asked me to be a part of their uh, chaplain program, I said, "Look, I, I, uh, I'm pretty limited in what I can teach on, but uh, I, I've got." I said, "Well, tell me the needs of the team," and they said, "A lot of these guys struggle with relationships," and I said, "Great, we'll go through the Song of Songs." And so it was so funny when I was there, I literally had like guys like Josh Hamilton and all these other players uh, reading this Hebrew poetry. And uh, if you can imagine these big tough guys reading this material and going through this, uh, we're going to see this morning that Solomon is the author. He speaks about 47% of the time. Uh, the, his beloved speaks about 53% of the time. And we're going to see this poetic language to describe this art of, of love in marriage. This morning specifically, I'm talking about engagement. Uh, how many can, of you can re, uh, re- remember your engagement season when, when the, your, somebody said, hey, will you marry me? And you said, I I, I will. I, I want to marry you. That season of love, uh, it was fun and crazy uh, for me and Leslie. And so what I'm going to do is, is share with you some stories as we kind of go along. Uh, what we're going to see this morning is that uh, Solomon is going to prepare the way for a yes. He's going to ask for his, this uh, gal's hand in marriage and uh, we're going to see him initiate and really do a great job on cultivating romance. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're in Song of Songs chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Uh, if you've got a smartphone, you can pull it up there on version. And let's go ahead and stand, and I'll read it, and uh, we'll get to work. Song of Songs chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Uh, she says this, Listen, my lover, look. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past and the rains are gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. He responds, my dove is in the cleft of the rocks in the hiding place on the mountainside. Show me your face. Let, let Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we pray that we would look at this storyline of love, uh, God, and see it be cultivated, uh, the principles of truth into our own lives. Uh, Might we align to that? In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You know, initiative is one of the things that we need to do the most as men when it comes to the relationship. When I uh, was with Leslie, and back in 2002, I met her and got married within nine months. And uh, I realized that my life needed to change to be the man that she needed me to be uh, in marriage. I want to read to you a journal entry I wrote in August August 25th of 2002. And I write this. I said, I'm feeling the weight of responsibility. Been there before? Is the relationships progressing, getting more and more serious? I said, I feel the weight and the responsibility to provide a secure foundation for my wife. 
ramen noodles wasn't going to work anymore. I knew that. Uh, I feel the sense of the secure, uh, to build a, f- a foundation. I'd like to have it to where in my career I could develop uh, an opportunity where she could work if she wanted to or she didn't have to. I said, uh, I see that Leslie's really been preparing well for the nest. I like that. I think that's great. I love that. She buys couches and I buy two-person tents. I need to start gathering financial smarts and take the initiative. Um, When it comes to getting ready for uh, a great commitment like being engaged, it's important that we see initiative happens. What we're going to see this morning is that Solomon takes initiative. Initiative is something that's in the essence of manhood. Dennis Rainey, president of Family Life, said this, initiative is the essence of manhood. Nothing comes to the man who is passive except failure. In the very beginning with Adam and Eve, when we look at Adam in the garden, what he did was he did not reject passivity. He, he did not take initiative. From the very beginning, there's a, a, a description of, between a man and a woman where the man, if he's not careful, he will fall into passivity and not take initiative. Now, initiative is something that's, it's, it's the ability to do something, to get something started. And what we're going to see here this morning is that Solomon is going to take initiative Now, he's got every excuse in the world why he would not take initiative, but he's going to visit his lover in a country home in Lebanon where she is, this is where her family vineyard is. He's going to leave Jerusalem, the busy, busy work of the the political life that he led. He's a king who led in Israel for 40 years. That's the extent of his reign. He was born uh, from King David. He's a very, very wise and wealthy, wealthy man. He takes initiative. The first thing we're going to see is, number one, is that if we're going to take the relationship to the next level, there's got to be a taking initiative. She says this about him. She says, listen, my lover, look, here he comes. He's coming to her. He's coming to her leaping across the mountains. She describes this poetic language. Literally, Solomon is moving quick. There's not a mountain that he won't climb. There's not a hill that he won't scale to be with his gal. He's in love. She says, listen, my lover, look, here he comes leaping across the mountain, bounding over the hills. She's describing this visit to her home in Lebanon. In chapter four, we're gonna see their home a little bit more described, uh, that she lives in Lebanon at this time. He's in Jerusalem. And she says, here he comes. What's interesting about Solomon coming to his lover's home is that he's a busy, busy man. Solomon was the wisest, the wealthiest, most powerful man on the earth in his day. Uh, Kings and queens would travel from afar to visit with Solomon. Uh, There was international trade that he was a a part of. He had massive building projects. He built the temple, which housed the Ark, the covenant. The glory of God literally rested in the temple. Solomon, again, would go spend 13 years in building more projects like his home and a royal palace. He even built villages. Solomon was smart. He was incredibly smart. He had studied philosophy, arts, agricultural, business, theology, horticulture, military, 
politics. This guy was incredibly rich as well. He took initiative though to slow down his busy career to go visit this gal. Guys, when you're busy, what means the most to uh, the gal that you love is you're taking time away from your work and investing it into the relationship. This is exactly what this guy does. Solomon takes the initiative. She says in verse nine, she says, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. A gazelle literally can run about 50 miles per hour. He's moving in pursuit. He's taking initiative. He's agile. He's quick. There's not a mountain he won't climb, a hill that he won't scale in order to be with her. She says, look, there he stands behind our wall. She's in the house. She's waiting for him. She's, st- she's, looking, she's looking out the window. He's right there, right outside the courtyard of this country house. And she says he's gazing through the window, peering through the lattice. Solomon is going to take initiative. If you're going to move forward in your relationship, initiative must be made. There must be an initiation where you make things happen. You work really hard to cultivate that relationship. Solomon is going to take the initiative. Gals, if you're in the process where you're dating a guy and he uh, has not taken the initiative to further the relationship, you ought to be asking some questions. Men, those of you that are uh, married, initiative is the God-given catalyst factor in your relationship that you take the initiative and you reject passivity. That's the curse for all men is being passive. Being on the couch, not cultivating the relationship. Instead of quality time and conversation, it becomes limited. You can easily drift into your marriage where you become roommates and not romancers. You can easily drift into your your relationship in marriage where you forget to take initiative. Initiative is something we see outlined in Solomon's life where he takes the initiative. Secondly, we're going to see that Solomon is going to take the, the, the relationship to the next level by using words to build. This is really important in the relationship. She, she says, my lover spoke to me, she's speaking about Solomon, and said to me, arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Two phrases that he uses to describe her is my darling and my beautiful one. Darling means one that's special. In the Hebrew context, it's one that's set apart. And Solomon sees her as uniquely beautiful and wonderful. He uses this phrase over and over again. It's like a, a pet name. It's a, it's a sweet name that he uses to cultivate and affirm her verbally. I don't know if you've got pet names for your spouse or for your lover, but if you're using stuff like, uh, you know, hey, I don't know what you would say. Hey, gal, hey, lady, hey, woman, uh, probably not a good idea. You know, maybe think of something more poetic like, hey, sugar, hey, sweetie, uh, hey, baby, stuff like that. Solomon knows the power of words. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, did a little research, uh, women speak about 20,000 words a day, while men speak about 7,000. Uh, there's about a 13,000 word difference there. Uh, 
But you know what's cool about Solomon is actually he kind of breaks that statistic. He speaks a lot more than that. In fact, Solomon speaks and uses words about 47% of the time in the Song of Songs. Solomon actually speaks a lot. He's incredibly verbally generous as well. I think what we need to realize when we hear statistics like that, women speak 20,000, men speak 7,000, is not to uh, just say, okay, well, that's the difference is men are quiet, women talk more, blah, blah, blah. But we think, how can we use words to cultivate? Because what we're going to see is that all of her senses are aroused. Her visual senses, her, she, can, she talks about she can hear his voice. He talks about that. And so what we're going to see here is that words are used to build. Actually, this gal has been struggling with insecurity. Solomon could have any woman he wanted. He is a king of kings. He is the wisest and the wealthiest from Jerusalem. And she is a country girl. And Solomon can have anybody he wants. And she's insecure. She grew up on a country farm raising a vineyard in the hills and mountains of Lebanon. And here he comes coming to her and he uses words like darling and my beautiful one. Use words to build. If you were to take a survey of all the words that you speak to your spouse or those of you that are dating, uh, how many of those words would be building words? Words, you've heard it said before, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It's a lie. Words do hurt, don't they? Words can crush. The Bible says that in the power of the tongue is both life and death. What you speak to another person can literally kill their spirit and break their spirit. When you say that to your child and you lash out and you say a mean word to your child, it can literally break their little spirit. When you say something rude and arrogant and disrespectful to your spouse, it can bruise and break their heart. Use words that build. Bible says if you don't have anything good to say, just don't say anything at all. It'd be better for you to be quiet and silent than to speak words that break down. At North Valley, we constantly say, do you want to be a builder or do you want to be a breaker? Because the Bible calls us to be builders. What our words should do is speak life to build up, in the words of Toby Mac, speak life and bring life to, with your words. Because often what you say is what you've already thought. But here's the deal. So many times when we, we use words that break, what are we doing? We're using uh, words that come off of raw emotions. Slow down. In this occasion, Solomon wants to take the relationship to the next level. He's gonna be the poetic genius and use words to build He's strategic. He takes initiative. Number three, we see that uh, Solomon's going to create a special occasion. She recalls this incident when he came to her house. And she says, my lover spoke to me and said, arise, my darling, my beautiful one, and come with me. Again, in verse 11, it says, see, the winter is past and the rains are over and gone. What season is it? The winter is gone. It's springtime. 
metaphorically speaking, there's kind of two meanings here. One is a literal springtime, but then two, it's also, it's a season of love. When it's springtime, it's the season and the time for love. Solomon wants to create a special occasion. She would have known that it was a very important time for their relationship, for him to break away from his roles and responsi- his role and responsibility as king of Israel to come to a little country home. I wonder what the conversation was like there in Jerusalem in the palace. I've got to break away for an afternoon to be with my lover. Where is she? She's in Lebanon. What are you going to do? We're going to go on a walk. King Solomon, the most wise and the wealthiest person on the earth in his day, takes time to do something that's really, really important to create a special occasion. You ask, well, how can I create a special occasion? Let's, let me make a few observations about Solomon. First, this isn't in your notes, but you might want to write this down, especially because Valentine's Day is coming up. 43% of Americans are planning on buying a box of chocolate this week. So uh, you want to create a special occasion. So here it is. He has a plan, number one. His plan is, he's saying, come with me. He already knows where he's going to take her. He already knows what she likes. He's been studying her. He loves her. He's got a plan. First thing, if you're going to create a special occasion, you've got to have a plan. Where are you going to go? What are you going to do? How late are you going to stay? What's the weather going to be like? Secondly, we see that he has a place picked out. He wants to be outside. He wants to be in an environment that she loves. The place that he pursued her was her home. How special would that be for her? Solomon, the king of Israel, coming to my home? That's how she feels. Thirdly, we see that he makes it personal. If you're going to create a, a special occasion for your uh, lover, for your special someone, it needs to be personalized. He makes it personal by visiting her and her family's home. Verse 11 says, see, the winter has passed and the rains are gone. It's springtime. And what he is, is he's using poetry. The next thing we're going to see is that he uses a poetry in his words to communicate his love. You can be creative, guys, and I dare you to write a poem to your lover. Uh, go to the Song of Songs as your resource guide. That would be a great, a great opportunity. He says, verse 12, flowers appear on the earth and the season of singing has come. He is going to take her outside where it's beautiful and he's gonna make it public. One thing I like about this, uh, this book, Song of Songs, is it gives us a guide for godly dating. Um, what Solomon's going to do is take her to a public place because both of them have a deep attraction for each other and they want to be with each other physically and intimately in every kind of way. And Solomon's going to choose a public environment to spend quality time with his bride-to-be. If you're going to create a special occasion, those of you that are dating, my encouragement is to do it like Solomon. Do it like his, with his, how he did it with his beloved. He would take her to a public environment where everybody can see what's going on. 
God's said that we're going to see in marriage, in fact, that the intimacy that they're to experience between, is between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife. And in fact, this is one of the unique books where um, physical intimacy and sexual intercourse is not discussed or described in this book for procreation, making babies, but for pleasure. And what Solomon's doing right now is he's, he's moving the relationship deeper and deeper and deeper into an engagement where we're gonna see him um, ask for her hand in marriage. We're gonna see the wedding day take place. We're gonna see them uh, have their first fight, have their first makeup, and on and on and deepen the marriage relationship. Solomon wants to take her into a public setting and he also reminds her that the focus is going to be purity. When he says the cooing of doves is heard in the land, the dove actually would have been a symbol of purity, a white dove. And what Solomon's doing with his poetic nature is he's taking the physical and relating it to the, the emotional. He's taking what she loves the most is this countryside uh, environment. And he's using all of that to describe his great love for her to create a special, special occasion. Um, when Leslie and I were dating, I knew that we were going to be married. We met like Johnny Cash. We got married in a fever, nine months. I met her and then got married. Uh, met her and got married within nine months. I, uh, at 12 years old, my, my parents had bought a guitar from my older brother and it sat around and my brother never played it. So I picked it up and, and strummed it. I remember one time I was strumming away upstairs and we had some construction workers over and uh, they, the guy said, well, you sound pretty good. You sound like Bob Dylan, you know, just, but you know, you know how Bob Dylan sounds. It doesn't sound that great, uh, but he could strum the guitar. So I, I strummed the guitar and uh, when I met Leslie, I decided to write her a song wrote her a song, and uh, I'll read a few lyrics from the song that I, I wrote. Uh, one day we were on a singles retreat outside at Buffalo National uh, Park in this beautiful river in the Ozark Mountains uh, with a bunch of godly men and gals, and I knew that I wanted to take the relationship to the next level. And so I said, can I sing you a song? And I had her sit on the tailgate of my truck, and, uh, I, and she, she was just really excited, I could tell. And I was nervous as anything because I don't, I don't sound good. I can't sing very well, but I, I could write a song maybe and play it. And I was so crazy in love with her that I decided to go ahead and do this. And I said, I know a, this is the way the song goes. I know a girl. She makes me want to walk the line. She would make me, I, I would swing from a vine like Tarzan or something. She makes me late all the time just because I want to be with her. That's Leslie Ray. That's Leslie Ray. She makes the storm clouds go away on the dark and dusty days. That's Leslie Ray. That's Leslie Ray. Her middle name is Ray. And I remember uh, I was asked later to sing that song in front of about 800 youth. And uh, I was terrified to do it. And I was nervous. And I, my throat was like locking up while I'm singing it. And I, I'm really excited. But I was excited to sing to her. And all the kids were like clapping and cheering the youth. Yeah, that was awesome. The one kid came up to me afterwards and said, hey, that was a really cool song, but what is Listerine? Listerine. And I said, no, I said Leslie Ray. And they said, oh, I thought you were singing about Listerine. So I am not gonna sing to you uh, that song 
because you might be thinking I'm talking about Listerine. Uh, point is, guys, gals, you want to create special occasions. Can gals do this too? Absolutely. This gal here in the book, she's so forward. She's verbally generous. The very first thing we saw in chapter one, verse one, she says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. Um, there's initiative can be on both sides. Creating special occasions can be on both sides. Um, guys, sometimes um, if you don't take initiative, then the guy will think you just don't love him and care for him. Take initiative, create the special occasion. And likewise, ladies, you can do the same thing. You can create a very special environment. We're going to see this gal. She does this over and over again. It's a give and take. They're both working at this relationship. Number four, if we're going to take the relationship to the next level, we need to be intentional to grow the relationship. Certain things can grow your relationship. Certain things can kill your relationship. Uh, you know, um, when it comes to your marriage, uh, I understand most, most of you here in our church are, are married. Um, you got to cultivate this thing. You got to grow the relationship. Do whatever it takes. I always tell guys, spend the money you need to spend. Do what, take the time you need to do. The greatest relationship you're ever going to have in life is your spouse. And it's also the relationship that will hurt you the most. And God's grace is everywhere. Now, the relationship with Christ has got to come before that. And when you have a great relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going to have a great relationship with your spouse. And Solomon, what he's going to do is he's going to be intentional to grow the relationship. He uses this poetic language, verse 13. He says, the fig trees form its early fruit. There's fruit on the vines, on the trees, the blossoming of vines spread their fragrance. It smells good. It looks good. The relationship is headed in a direction where it's just going to grow. I got a couple of questions for you. If you want to take your relationship to the next level, is you ask these two questions. Is this person going to help me grow in my faith? Or is this person going to be a hindrance to my faith? See, in the dating phases of uh, a relationship, You've got to answer those two questions. If as a young man or a young woman, and if you love Jesus Christ and your lover, the person you're dating takes you away from him, it is the worst thing in the world. It is not worth it at all. If you're in a relationship right now as a young lady and you've got a guy that's pursuing you, but you know he doesn't have a great faith commitment to Jesus Christ, let me encourage you in this. If you say no to him, then I believe that God's gonna show you all the more love, grace, and mercy and the presence and the power through your life because he wants to be number one and you don't need anybody that's less than the best for you. And men, if you're in a relationship where you've been compromising and you've been falling into all sorts of temptation and you read this word called the Bible and you hear about how you need to stay pure and stay strong and be the man you need to be, yet you're being detoured into this relationship that's getting you into all sorts of trouble, turmoil, you're feeling guilt, which God can use guilt to wake you up. But then you keep going and you're walking in shame. You need to get out of it. God doesn't want you to live in shame. You need to ask these questions if you're going to take your relationship to the next level is how is this person helping me grow in my faith? Is this person a hindrance to my faith? 
You can apply those questions to any relationship. You need to be with people that'll help you grow. The greatest priority in all of life we're gonna learn today, the big idea is that you always gotta put God first. You gotta put a relationship with Jesus Christ first. And then what God promises to do is that he's gonna turn around and, and give you the things that you need to fulfill his purpose and his plan for your life. What's your purpose? Your purpose is to glorify God in the way that he's made you. In every, in your workplace, in the relationships he's brought with the kids, no kids, single, dating, whatever you do, the Bible says, do it all for the glory of God. Anything that gives God uh, glory. And so this morning, what I want to encourage you to do is be intentional to grow the relationship. Ask these questions in all relationships. It applies to all relationships. Is this person helping me grow or is this person a hindrance to my faith? The fifth thing we're going to see is this, is that we need to ask uh, open and honest conversations. Ask for these. You know, if you're going to take your relationship to the next level, if you're dating uh, and you're considering marrying this person, you've got to have these open and honest conversations. Uh, Solomon is pursuing her. Uh, she likely does not know that he's, he, he was coming. It's a bit of a, a surprise that he would show up. He's the wisest and the wealthiest, and he shows up. And the language that he, we're going to see here right now is going to indicate that he wants to draw her out, hear her voice, see her face, and have some open and honest conversations. He says this in verse 14, my dove, this is uh, in the clefts of the rock, doves would be a symbol of purity. So he uh, likely is thinking as well of her as a virgin, a gal who's waited. And he says, my dove in the clefts of the rock, they hide oftentimes. She's in the house. And he says, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. In other words, he's saying, hey, can you leave the comforts of your home? and come and have a conversation with me. I want to see your face. And then he says, let me hear your voice. He wants to spend time with her. He understands that she wants to have conversations. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Three kinds of conversations that you want to have before you take the relationship to the next level. Number one is you need to have the clarity conversation. I think that Solomon was realizing that things are moving forward. We're going to see... Uh, next week, the proposal, the following week, uh, the wedding, and then so on. And in the timeline of a relationship, there's got to be a spot and a place and a season when you have some real clear conversations. DTR, define the relationship. You need to define it. What are you? Your boyfriend, girlfriend? Are you going to be engaged? Are you not? Uh, oftentimes we say, well, uh, you know, I mean, culture these days, the culture communicates we're friends with benefits. It's not a good idea uh, at all. And so what you need to do is you need to clarify this relationship. Where is it going? I've talked to many young ladies time and time again, and they get into a relationship and they're dating. Are they dating exclusively? Or are they open dating and dating lots of other people? And they're waiting for the clarity and the beginning, what I challenge the guys in saying is, guys, you do need to take the initiative. You need to clarify. What is the relationship going to look like? Are you going to commit yourself to one another? We are in a culture where commitment has a very, very low priority, partially because we've seen so many of our moms and dads be divorced. 
And so we're hurt, we're wounded, and we don't know how to, we're afraid to clarify. My greatest encouragement to you is that you look to God's word, you pray, you ask the Holy Spirit's our helper, and you say, God, would you give me the understanding based on uh, my relationship with this person? Do I need to go to the next level with this person? And then go in faith. The Bible says a man plans his way and the Lord determines his steps. So you can make plans and start moving forward. You don't need to wait for the lightning bolt in the sky to spell out the name. You just need to move forward in faith, but you do need to clarify your intentions. Number two, there needs to be a time, if we're going to take the relationship to the next level, there needs to be a conversation about confession. Confession. This is where you pull out the skeletons in the closet and you share everything. And you say, well, I don't, I don't, you know, if I've confessed it to the Lord, why do I need to share it with this person? Well, if you're going to marry this individual, Bible says is that the two became one. So you need one vision. You need one story. You need one family. You become literally one emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And to become one, you need to know all the story. You need to know the whole thing. Uh, I remember when Leslie and I were progressing in the relationship, uh, right before I was about to propose to her, I, she came over uh, and we went on a walk outside of my, by my neighborhood, beautiful pond out there. And uh, I call this moment in time in my life as kind of a season of the soul. She, I asked her, I said, is there anything that you want to share with me that you haven't shared with me before? And she knew where this was going because I wanted to move to the next level. I wanted to ask for her hand in marriage. And she says, yeah, I got some stuff to confess. And I had already done that, but I hadn't heard her side. She is a story much like mine. She's the, the rebel that ran away from God, uh, involved herself with everything. We probably together broke every commandment in the Bible. And we'd done everything wrong. And, uh, and God's redeemed that, moved us from rebels to redemption. And so I asked her that night, what, what about her past? And she broke down and she cried and she told me everything. And I didn't know how to respond. I, did, I wish I could have said immediately, I forgive you, I love you. I wish I would have said, um, it's, sweetie, Jesus Christ is our, our, our foundation. He forgives, I forgive. I didn't know what to say. I was terrified. When you have a moment when there's kind of coming clean and there's confession in the relationship, it's a defining moment. It changes everything. You will either come together really close or you will run away from each other. And that night, I spent hours and hours walking around the neighborhood and just having a conversation with God. God, I'm afraid. She's confessed to me everything. And she told me the things I've told you I've never told anybody. And uh, I heard the Lord, not audibly, but he said to me, love her with the same kind of love I've loved you. Give her the grace like the grace I've given you. She, she took the, the time to share with you all that. Why don't you step forward and do that? And I did. If you're going to advance your relationship to the next level, there's got to be confession. Confession is something that needs to happen in a relationship because it's also modeled and mirrored what happens with our eternal father. The Bible says if, we're, if we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful to forgive our sins. Confession is a normal part. It's a normal part of taking out and saying, these are the things that I'm ashamed of. And in order to walk away from shame and get rid of that, confession's really helpful. Shame can weigh you down. Shame can break you down. 
And what God wants to do oftentimes in relationships is he'll use the other person, the other spouse or the other lover in your life to help you navigate if the priority commitment is there to love Jesus first, to administer his grace. You'll find the most grace, the most love experienced through your spouse. That's the, what the biblical pattern here. Solomon, what he's doing is he's taking her out into this countryside for a walk, open environment. He wants to have a clarifying conversation and he wants to have a confessional conversation. There's decisions that need to be made. And lastly, there's a commitment conversation. You need to make a commitment. If you're in a relationship with a man, ladies, that does not have a commitment to God, um, those of you that are dating, you should get out. The greatest priority that you're going to find in life is a relationship that you have with Jesus Christ and your future husband with Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's a common vision. If you have a, a vision that you're going to worship God, love God, because he's the creator of everything, and that's the vision, it changes everything. It shapes your worldview. And if you have two different visions for life, then it's actually a division. And you have division in the oneness that God intends. So some of you say, well, what if I'm married to a spouse that doesn't love God? The Bible's helpful in that understanding and says, then stay with that person. Build them up, love them, encourage them, support them, help them, serve each other, but don't wane on your commitment to Jesus Christ. Commitment is something that you need to have, not only in your relationship with God, but you gotta have that relationship to each other. Are you committed or not? Are you gonna make that commitment till death do us part? Uh, would you stay committed? My encouragement to you today is that you put God first. I wanna invite the worship team up. We're gonna sing a popular song by Lauren Daigle uh, about first. The very first priority that you need to make in moving forward if you're married or if you're single uh, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Put God first. Bible says, seek him first and all these other things will be added unto you. The greatest person you can become comes when you pursue Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You uh, submit to his word, to his ways, and then you become the person that you need to be for your, uh, your lover. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that as we look at this scripture, we see love is mutual, love is verbal, love is exclusive, love is total, love is beautiful, love is not awakened before its time, it is celebrated, it is enjoyed, love is sacred. I pray, God, that more than anything, for our young uh, men and young women, would they put you first? For our old men and our old women, would they put you first? For our singles, would they put, would, we pray, God, that they would put you first. For our married couples, would they put you first? So that they can experience the grace, the power, the redemption, the joy that you've designed for us in this thing called love and marriage. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.